I wonder what life would be like if I could literally make my living doing this, talking to people, giving them hope, encouraging them to completely see themselves in a different way, changing their beliefs about who they are and what they're able to do in this world. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs. If you're new to the show, I interview business owners, entrepreneurs, and influencers in East Idaho and learn their origin stories and all about their business journeys. And it also lets us get to know our neighbors a little bit better, and that makes for an even amazing, a more amazing community. So today, I'm actually going outside of East Idaho for my guest. However, this man's influence is felt all over the world and has absolutely influenced me to live my best life, so I know he'll help you too. So welcome, Mindset Answer Man, Cliff Ravenscraft. Renee, I can't begin to tell you how excited I am to be on this show. And I'm not just saying that. I don't say that to just everyone because I do lots of podcast interviews and I promise you, you can go listen to them and I don't say those words <laughs> Okay. for everyone. It's only, it's, I only say them when it's true. And there are a couple of reasons why I'm really excited to be on the show. Your show is one of the very few shows over the years that I've consistently listened to many episodes of back to back to back to back because you have a great show. And I love it, even though I have never been to East Idaho in my life. And I'm embarrassed to admit to you that if you gave me one of those maps, like, you know, the, the maps that's a puzzle where each state is the shape of the puzzle piece of the state. If you were to tell, I wouldn't even be able to tell you the shape of Idaho. <laughs> I, and, I, and if you gave me that puzzle piece and asked me to put it in the general vicinity of where Idaho is on the map, I'm still embarrassed to tell you I would have no idea where in the heck to put that piece. Well, we, you know, we're going to fix that one of these days, Cliff. We're going to get you out here, and then you will have first-hand knowledge of what, where Idaho but, is and what we do. I know, I, I, but I'm so embarrassed. But you know what? I have grown to love the people and community and the business world of East Idaho. And the reason why I can say that is because I've listened to at least 10 or 11 episodes of your show where I've really got to hear the stories of the entrepreneurs who have built some amazing things. And it's been fun. And, I, and Renee, I don't know if I've ever told you this before. I really don't like interview-based format podcasts. You did tell me that. I, it's, it's literally not my, there's one interview based podcast that I really do enjoy. It's, it's by a guy named Guy Ross called how I built this. And you know, and that's where I copied, I copied guy for this show. That is awesome. I love that. And the thing is, is his show, I subscribe to his show, but I will only ever listen to episodes of companies that I recognize. And I'm like, yeah, that's a world leading brand. And everybody it's like, so I, I listen to the episodes like Southwest airlines, Jim beam, uh, what are some of the other ones? Airbnb and, you know, the big companies, you know, I, it's like, I would love to know how those scores. And I'm sitting here thinking, why on earth would I care to learn about the backstories of East Idaho entrepreneurs that I've never heard of before? And it's all, most of them seem to be, not all of them are. And, and I've, I've listened to a couple episodes where it's not the case, but most of them are brick and mortar. And I, I could not be less interested in brick and mortar business personally because I, I don't live in that world anymore. I, I left a career in insurance, so geographically 
based businesses, just that's not my world. So why do I listen to the East Entrepreneur podcast? And I can tell you right now, the reason is you. Oh, Cliff, thank you. And, and I do, and it, the, I can tell, because I ask myself, why am I listening to this? I mean, why am I listening to Renee introduce the, interview these people? And it had very little to do with the people you were interviewing, but the way that you spoke into the lives of the entrepreneurs that you were interviewing without them being aware that you were speaking into their lives. And that's what drew me to your show. And I'm honored to be on here. Well, thank you. I, I hope that I can accomplish the same thing with you today because you have quite an entrepreneurial story and we want to hear how did you become what you call the mindset answer man and why? You said that you, you've had quite a journey with this. I think what I remember is you started in insurance. Yeah, so I got married 23 years ago to my lovely wife, Stephanie. And when we got married, I think I was 23 years old and she was much, 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 much younger than I was. So anyway, the reality was is up until that point in my life, I had lived this lifestyle of the just your casual, just barely above minimum wage employee. So that I, you know, first job ever is McDonald's, and and I just worked my way up. I I used to install hardwood floors. I used to work as a manager of a sign shop where you'd go and get your signs for your business or your vans or whatever the case may be. You know, any kind of sign you needed. I I would I was a manager of a store that created that created many signs. I was the manager of a beeper store. Some of you may have called them pagers, but it was a be- they were beepers, all right? So I, I had all kinds of different various crazy employee jobs. And by the time that I got married to my wife, I'm sitting here asking this woman to let me be the responsible man who's going to provide a great living for you and we'll have children and it's going to be such a great life together. I have so much promise to offer you. Marry me. And, spend and the rest she, of- she bought the story. She did. Yeah. <laughs> th- thankfully, I was a, already a good salesperson, I guess. Yes. But, but here, here's the deal. I was literally working as a customer service rep at Staples Call Center. So if you called the catalog order department and placed an order, well, maybe, a, maybe before Stephanie and I got married, you would have actually got, if it was a year or so before, I might have taken your order. Now, however, I mean, I was a customer service rep. I mean, I, I wasn't just a sales rep. I was a cu- so I could get into the computer system and override things and make mm-hmm. exceptions. I was important. <laughs> I had access to do things other people didn't have access to do. And I thought that, you know, it's like, this is great. I'm making, you know, above minimum wage. And this, you know, my, it seems like each year my, my rate go, my hourly rate goes up a little bit or salary goes up a little bit. But the thing is, is quite frankly, looking back, I, I wasn't making much money. And my mom and dad owned an insurance agency. Okay. And by the way, it was started by my father in 1937. And I know how you feel about multi-generational businesses. Yes. You and I do not share those feelings about multi-generational <laughs> businesses. You didn't want to be that uh, generation on and on and on, huh? My mom and dad, a couple months after I got married, they said, Cliff, we want you to come work in the office. And, and part of it was, you know, we'd like you to maybe have a little bit more financial aspirations and career aspirations beyond this piddly stuff that you've been doing. They never would have said those words 
But I mean, come on, seriously. I'm sure yeah. that had they some. They were looking out for you. They were looking out for their son. Now, the interesting thing, and I want to just throw this little wrench into the story. I, about a month or so after we got married, Stephanie and I got married, I felt this calling that I wanted to devote the rest of my life to Christian ministry. I, I, it's just like something that I had always grown up in faith and, and, but man, right after we got married, it's like, I think this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I want to serve people in, in, in a way that I feel God's calling me to serve them. I went to our pastor of our church and I told him about it and he goes, you know, Cliff, I, I've noticed how you lead Bible study groups and stuff like that. And how about this? We'll, we'll set up a meeting with the church board. And so the church board interviewed me. I mean, it's like they grilled me. And then they're like, there's no, there is absolutely no doubt God is calling you to devote the rest of your life to full-time ministry. And then I got told that, well, what that looks like is that you become, you either go down the path of a deacon or the elder, because I was in the Nazarene church at the time. And of course they said, we, we, based upon what we've learned, we think that the elder path for you, and that means that you're going to be head pastor of your own church one day. And so I went down that path. So I'm sounded so I'm, good. You were like, yeah, that, sure. that would set me up. Yep. You know, that, that sounds great. I'd love to pastor my own church one day. And so I was pursuing that path. So I'm working, you know, customer service rep job at Staples and I'm studying ministry at night and I get my district minister's license and I'm now preaching in the pulpit on Sundays every now and then. I was terrible, but, <laughs> but I was preaching. Uh, I like to, you want to hear something funny? Ask me this question that everybody asks. Cliff, tell us one thing, something that most people don't know about you. Ask me. Okay. What's one thing that most people don't know about you, Cliff? The first woman I ever married was my cousin. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I live in Kentucky, and the first woman I ever married was my cousin. And I, the first I, and only, right? So the interesting. Now, actually, I've married many women. Oh, okay. uh, oh, I see. Okay. See, the thing is, is um, I got my district minister's license, so that meant that I was able to officiate weddings. I got so it. The first wedding I ever officiated, my cousin Sue's, Sue, she says, will you do our wedding? And I'm like, sure. And so I married uh, my cousin Sue to her husband, <laughs> Billy. And uh, yeah. Anyway, I, it's a little side. But anyway, I think <laughs> it's important to understand this because then in December, when my mom and dad asked me to come work as an insurance agent, he said, Cliff, will you come work for us? And I'm, I'm like, wow, I just don't know that I'm really all that interested in the family business. And they said, well, here's the thing. And another thing to know about me is I'm a total tech geek. I love technology. I'm an early adopter of everything technology. And so they said, there's this system called agency management software. We don't know what it is, but supposedly we're supposed to have these computers. They're Windows 95. You can network them together or something. And we could have it to where we no longer have to do all of our quotes and our rates for insurance prices out of books and calculators. It can all be done in the computer. And we need somebody that knows how to set all this stuff up. Can, do you know how to do that? I said, well, no, but I could figure it out. And they said, well, we want to hire you for that. That's why we want you to work in the business. So I said, mom, dad, I will come work for you in the business on uh, two. Uh, um, uh, conditions. Two, yes, thank you. Two conditions. Number one, um, you'll never force me to get my insurance license because I have no desire to sell insurance. And number two, if I'm ever offered an opportunity to do ministry full time, which I, I actually probably said, if I'm ever offered the opportunity to pastor a church full time, 
no matter how much less money I would make pastoring a church, you have to give me your full blessing to leave the family business. And they said, okay. And so that began a 12-year career as an insurance agent. So wow. I, set, I set up their computers. It took me 90 days. I, I had everything up and running. And then after 90 days, there was literally nothing for me to do in the business except for file clerk and taking messages and white writing on those pink memo pads, the YWO pads while you were out. I yes. used to sell these stupid things at Staples and now I'm filling them out. <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted to do with my life. So the thing is, is that the interesting thing was that my dad is taking, he's like, I, I created these forms. I'm like, hey, let me create a form. You can fill this out. And then it'll, you can collect all the information over the phone. And while you're talking to them, I'll take what you just filled out. I'll punch all this information into the computer and print out all the different rates with all the variations of different deductibles and, and coverages. And, and then you hand it back to, I'll hand it back to you. And by the time before you even get off the phone, you can give them the rates. Well, that process literally tripled my dad's income tripled his income because it used to be he would take the call comes in they say what they want he would write down all their information he would then get their phone number call them back back and forth back and forth and, and but then he would spend like 30 minutes going through this thing and doing all these complex calculations in this man manual book this binder and and here we're we're churning it out my dad literally creates one of the most successful most profitable insurance agencies in the United States as a result of the process that I've implemented. He goes, you know, the thing is, is you're doing all of the work. All I'm doing is talking to people on the phone. And there's this law that says that I can't rebate, which means give you a commission. So it, the only way I could give you a commission on any of the things that you're helping me sell is if you had a license. And I'm like, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> this is breaking our deal, dad. Yeah. So actually it wasn't. He's like, would you like to make some extra money? And he says, listen, you know, I, you don't need to sell. It's just, I, I'd like to, and how he did it, he's, he says, I'll give you a finder's fee for each policy that you, and basically he says, for every home and auto policy you help me sell, I'll give you $10. All right. And that, that way you can keep your hourly commission or hourly salary that, that you do, but we'll just give you $10 for every thing. And I'm, I'm like, okay. And so I start, I went and got my license. I sat down in a class for 40 hours and I went and took a multiple guest test and then I got my license and, and I passed. So now I'm licensed to sell auto, home and commercial insurance. Now I take the phone calls. I don't have to fill out a form because I can just type this stuff straight into the computer. Right, right. I'm outselling my dad. All right. Now he was already pretty fast, but I'm now outselling him. And I sit there, I said, hey, dad, what? you know, this is a couple years into the journey. I said, dad, why don't we switch it over to where I get commission? Because I know how commission works. Insurance agents, uh, we were an independent insurance agency. So we represented multiple companies. But the average contract is that whatever premium you pay for your auto or on home insurance, the insurance agency itself gets 20% of that. Recurring, whatever, 20%. That's, that's how insurance agents make money. So I'm like, I want to cut in on the commission. I don't know if it's 5%, 10, you know, or I'm sorry, uh, 20%, 30%, 50%. But I think I should, why don't we get rid of, he goes, no, Cliff, you know, I don't want you to put your salary at risk. You've got a young family, you know, and all this stuff. And he thought he was really doing me a favor, but really, quite frankly, it was holding me back mm -hmm. because 
I happen to be a guy who's motivated by, I, I, and I'm not even ashamed to say this. I'm motivated by money sometimes. Sure, right. I, I like money. I like what money can bring into our lives. So the thing is, is that I was pretty much going to make the same amount of money no matter how much I sold. So, and it's like $10 here, $10 here. It's not a big deal. So I, I sold some policies. But then here's the thing. My, my dad, a very successful person in, in insurance, he sold more life insurance than practically any other pe- person in the United States when it came to our agency compared to other agencies. So he wins all these incentive chips, trips. Now my dad, and I don't think he would be very upset with me saying this, but he was a workaholic. So yeah. he never went on right. vacations. You know, that's not how he does things. So he's like, you know, get this, you know, by, by policy of the insurance companies that are giving me these free trips, I'm not allowed to let anybody else go on these unless they're licensed as a life insurance agent. <laughs> However, if you were to have your own, if you were to have a life insurance license, I would be able to give these trips to you. That means you and Stephanie every year, all expenses paid trip somewhere outside of the country. And also every single year, you and the entire family would go on an all expenses paid trip to either Disney, Hershey, Pennsylvania, or some of these other exotic places. He says, what do you think? And I said, that sounds awesome. I will go get my license, but let's negotiate. And he says, what do you mean? I said, well, here's the deal. I'm never going to sell permanent life insurance. I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan. Stephanie and I have learned about buying term and investing the difference. And are, are you okay with the fact that I'm not going to sell permanent insurance? He says, that's fine. As far as I'm concerned, I'm just doing this so you can go on the trips. Wonderful. Okay, great. I'll take it. And and I sit there, I say, great. So you're not anticipating that that I'm going to be bringing in lots of extra income from the insurance policies I sell, right? He goes, yeah. I said, so it wouldn't bother you that if I did sell some insurance, that whatever the agency makes, I get 50% of. And he's like, hmm. (laughs) Wait a minute. And, and, and And I sit there, I said, now here's the thing the agency would make 50% of the life insurance sales of the commissions of the sales that I make that if I didn't make them, there would be zero. And he's like, yeah, you got a good point. And he's thinking, okay, Cliff's not the greatest salesperson in the world. You know, the reason why Cliff's not the greatest salesperson in the world, because Cliff's not that motivated to sell. All right. But then you put, you put 50% commission in front of you. Yeah. So, and, and I'm going to just share a little behind the, behind the curtains uh, view and what happens into commission. So I've already told you how auto and home and commercial, it's usually 20% that goes to the agency. Now, when it comes to life insurance, when it's permanent insurance, the premiums are really high, but the commission is low. Um, you know, might, I don't know. I, I have no idea, but I, let's just say it's five or 10% of that big, huge premium. But that 5 or 10% is recurring for the life of that permanent life insurance policy, which yeah. is kind of nice for the agency. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Term life insurance, totally different model. This is how insurance agents get paid on term life insurance. Whatever the cost of the premium is for the first full year of the policy, the agency gets 100% of that premium. Wow. And then, and then nothing afterwards. After that, uh-huh. So here's the thing. If I sell a, if I sell a, a $1.5 million life insurance policy and the premium is $300, the agency gets $300. And then I would get $150 from that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I like this. Mm-hmm. I got to the place, Renee, where I was selling 15 to 30 life insurance policies a week. Oh my gosh. I, so there was this company called Grange Life Insurance. They had 14... Or, 
just making sure I get the yes, fourteen thousand agents out of all out of all the Grange Life and Insurance agents, fourteen thousand agents. I was in the top ten. All wow. right. By the way, the other people in the top ten, my dad was number one always. All right. I was right around number seven. Here's the thing, though. My dad cheated, and so did all the other ten people because the 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 top ten rank was based upon pr- the amount of premiums sold on an annual basis. They're, they can sell one permanent life insurance oh, policy have it. And, and it will take me 30 of these term policies to meet their one. Yeah. So what I want you to know is that all the other people in the top 10 were selling permanent. Mm-hmm. Cliff is in the top 10 with all of those people and mine are all very inexpensive. The average person was like $110 premium per month or per year. So Cliff, I mean, so I mean obviously you were having a lot of success in the insurance world and that I would imagine, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, you probably saw this would be your future. Like going forward, why wouldn't you? You're taking care of your family. You were meeting your financial um, obligations and probably goals. So how, where did that turn take you? Yep. So here's what happened is my wife and I, because of my commissions coming in from selling so many policies, above and beyond my salary with my measly little $10 finder fees on auto and home policies, um, I was, yeah, financially, we became debt free. Uh, it was awesome. We're, we have financial margin in our life. This is incredible. And I also came to the understanding, Renee, that you know what? This is really my greatest ministry in the world. All right. By this time, let's just say I'm eight years into my 12-year journey as an insurance agent, and I'm convinced that if I was offered a position to pastor a church full-time, I don't know that that would actually be more greater ministry than what I'm doing here as an insurance agent. And it's not about the money. It's about the impact and influence. I mean, there's hundreds of people every year whose lives are better as a result of the education I'm giving them. Yeah. About their need for insurance. See, I, I'll tell you the perfect example of this story. This happened all, all week, every week. Okay. 26 year old guy comes into my office, says, I just bought this brand new sports car. How much is it going to cost to add it to my policy? And of course, he's got a couple speeding tickets already, and now it's a sports car, right? Now, the thing is, though, is that his premium is going to go up a lot. Now, the thing is, is he only has auto insurance with me. Do you own a home or do you rent? And he says, I don't own a home. Do you rent somewhere? Yes. Well, if you get a uh, renter's, Cliff, I don't need a renter's policy. I said, well, hold on just a second. If you get a renter's insurance policy, it's only $50 a year. It'll save you $17 a month on your auto insurance because of the percentage. It just makes sense. He's like, okay, I'll take the you know, multi-policy discount. Got it. All right. And, and he says, I said, do you have life insurance? He says, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about life insurance. I was like, I, is, well, this stuff's way too expensive. I was like, wait a second. Are you married? Yes. Do you have any kids? Yes. Do you have any debt? Yes. How much debt? And, and it's, the, it's the average is like $60,000 unsecured. Do you have a loan on this car? Yes. How much is the balance on the car? Okay. I said, have, does your wife work outside of the home? No, she stays at home with our two kids. I said, have you ever thought about, but do you have college money saved up for those kids? Do you want them to go to college? No, I don't have it saved up. And yes, I want them to go to college. 
if you were to die tonight in a car accident in this car, not because of your fault, but because some other drunk driver crossed over the line and hit you head on, what's going to happen to them? I never really thought about that. So, well, let's take a minute and think about that. And then what I would do is I, I sit there, I said, how much would it cost to pay off your, your, or to pay off all of your debt? How much would it cost to pay off your car? How much would it cost to put all your kids through four years of college? And the number, let's just, let's just say that number is like 100,000. I said, okay, how much do you think it would cost to have a $150,000 life insurance policy? He goes, I don't know, what, $1,000 a year? I said, what if I told you it was only $120 a year? And, oh, by the way, it'll save you another $15 a month on your, on your auto insurance. He goes, you're kidding me. And so, and so now he's like, okay, now I want the life insurance. All right. I said, now, does your wife have life insurance? Oh, no, I don't need that. And I said, well, wait a second. Have, you said that your wife takes care of your kids. What happens if something happens to her who takes care of your kids? Have you ever paid for childcare before? Have you ever looked into how much that is? I think you might want to look into it. And, and, like, and I sit there, I said, now, do you have life insurance on your three children? At this and, point, he's like, Cliff, you're just a salesman. I, that, what, it's not a salesman. It, I'm literally helping this guy understand what, what it means to be a responsible husband and father. Yeah. And things that nobody's ever thought to educate. Now, by the way, this takes a lot of time. We're taking an hour. Now, most insurance agents, it's like, yeah, here's how much it'd be to add your car. And, and you, here's a renter's insurance policy. And you're out the door in 15 minutes. Yeah. Now, the thing is, by the way, <laughs> my dad was frustrated with me because I'm spending 90 minutes with the client that he could get out of the office in 10 minutes. Right. I'm spending, I'm educating this guy. Now I'm telling, I said, this doesn't make sense for you to buy a 20 year term life insurance policy if you're still planning on being in debt in 20 years from now. You need to understand how to get out of debt. And I want to introduce you to the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace Program. And I want to tell you this, and I want to tell you that. Now the thing is, is he walks out of the office, by the way, he's got life insurance for him, life insurance for his wife, his kids are covered as an additional writer. Uh, and he's got an apartment insurance, and it actually ended up maybe costing him $3 more per month than had he not had all of that stuff. Right. And he could have left uneducated about all of that. And that's exactly Yeah. And do you know what happens after he leaves? He goes home and he tells everybody he knows, and all of his coworkers are in line to see me over the next. That's how I sold 15 to 30 policies a week. I sold that guy three policies. And, and it just happened all day, every day. And that, by the way, so I told you out of 14,000 agents, I was in the top 10 of Grange Life Insurance. I was also, auto owner's insurance had 48,000 agents. I was in the top 50 of theirs. The same year I was in the top 10 of Grange. That's how successful I was as an insurance agent. So the difference was relationships. Like you took, a, you took the time to really get to know your, your people that you were insuring. I took time, not just the relationships, I took time to educate and encourage these people to make a decision that was going to change their life. And the reason why I tell you that I knew what I was doing was my greatest ministry in the world is because I sold insurance, life insurance policies for enough years that the person sitting across my desk, either a couple months later or a couple years later, was the spouse of that person I convinced to buy the policy. Yeah. And yeah, I've done that. I saw 
the results of what I was doing. It so wasn't. Why did you ever leave this? I mean, it sounds like the perfect gig. Yeah, that's exactly right. And not to mention the fact that I was so successful, my dad had already drawn up all the paperwork that when he retires, I take over the agency. And today, uh, by the way, my dad sold the agency and retired a year and a half ago. Guess what? Today, I would own the agency and I would be making a minimum of $1.5 million a year right now in personal income. So the answer your question, I'll now answer your question. This is all very important, I think, for people to understand because this was the lifestyle of the employee. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking, I want to become an entrepreneur. I want to start my own business. I want to do, I want to do life my way. But why would anybody give up job security like this? And, and that's so hard. Like That's the golden handcuffs, as they say. To be able to leave that is really terrifying. So here's what happened. In, in December, let's see, December 2005, I discovered, or actually in June of 2005, I discovered the world of podcasting. Everybody listening to our voice is listening to our voice because they've discovered the world of podcasting as well. So I was listening to podcasts and my wife introduced me to this TV show called Lost. Have you ever heard of that show? Yes. All right. Did you ever watch that show? No, I was not a Lost follower. That's okay. Well, there were millions of people around the world that were. So I, believe it or not, I used to subscribe to and listen to five different podcasts devoted to this TV show Lost. No kidding. Well, and in 2005, there really probably weren't a lot of podcasts, were there? There was maybe a hundred. Yeah. And five of them were devoted to the TV show Lost. So the interesting thing is, is I was already blogging at the time. I had started blogging before blogging was ever called blogging. Back in 1996, I hand-coded my own HTML files. So I was already blogging and I started blogging about Lost based upon my things that I think about from hearing all these podcasts. And I came up with this theory and I called, I, I recorded my voice in three minutes of audio of my voice and I emailed it to a guy in Hawaii who had the transmission podcast. He played my voice in his podcast and I thought, oh my gosh, people all over the world just heard my voice. Whoa. Now the thing is, is I've been blogging for years and maybe about 300 people per month maybe visit my site one time. All right. After that three minute video or three minute audio file hit, my website got shut down by my web host. Because it got hit so hard. It got hit so hard, you have exceeded your bandwidth limitations. Wow. And so I said, well, I've got to fix this. And then, so I fixed it. And the reason why it exceeded its bandwidth uh, limits is because Entertainment Weekly heard my voice, looked at my vlog that supported, had, had supporting evidence of what I called the Thomas Theory, and they put an entire article on EW.com. And everybody in the world, millions of people who were into loss were trying to hit my site. Oh, my heck, you had no idea. Had no idea. And so I had people saying, Cliff, I loved hearing you. You should do your own podcast. And at the time, Renee, I'm going to tell you, I had a little bit of an ego thing going at the time. All right. I've, I've calmed the ego down <laughs> about eight notches. It, still, <laughs> I still keep it at about a two. But, uh, but the thing is, is that I had a pretty big ego. Then. It did not take much to add. I mean, it's like, man, people want to hear my voice. Like, is okay, I'll hop on. So I, start, I, I launch a podcast. The second episode, I invite my wife, Stephanie. I'm like, you're the one who introduced this to me. Would you be interested? Now, Stephanie had just listened to, or read a, uh, or did a Bible study from this woman named Beth Moore, who suggested that you should get involved in your husband's hobbies. 
All right. And I'm glad she did because it changed everything in our relationship. So Stephanie and I start podcasting together. Our second episode, we put it out. And then by our third episode, we had 27,000 subscribers to our podcast. Wow. This is the same week that iTunes released the ability to buy the episode of the TV show Lost the very next day for $1.99. It was also the same month that they added podcasting to iTunes. So people were, had millions of people in the world were now aware that you could go to iTunes and search for Lost and buy the TV show the next day. And then those people immediately blow TV episodes. It said podcasts and it said official Lost podcast by co-producer Damon Lindelof and Carlton Hughes. And right next to that is Cliff and Stephanie Ravenscraft, the weekly Lost podcast. So timing, like you didn't plan this. It just no, kind of happened. It just happened. We grew that audience in a very brief period of time to 60,000 downloads per episode. Wow. And this, show, this TV show, this secular TV show, has an episode called Tabula Rasa, all right? And the whole idea is these people crash landed on an island and the, they have flashbacks of different characters. And of course, they all had shady backstories and stuff like that. But now on the island, nobody knows. So they all get to start over with a Tabula Rasa, clean slate. So Stephanie and I just talk about our own ability to start over with Clean Slate. And we talk about our own faith journey and how that plays into the concept. Not trying to convince it. We're just being ourselves. Yeah, right. Then there's an episode called All Good Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. And, you know, I, my, I, I keep saying my dad, which, by the way, my dad that I've been referring to that owned the insurance agency, he adopted me a year and a half ago. Another thing that most people don't know about me. But he adopted me after my biological dad passed away. All right, now my biological dad, my entire life was an alcoholic and a pretty uh, crazy drug addict. All right, now the thing is, I loved my dad and, and stuff like that, but it, it, it caused there were some, some daddy issues. issues. Yeah, yeah. So, Stephanie, and by the way, Stephanie had some daddy issues, and we just got behind the microphone talking about our daddy issues. Yeah, and people are like, oh my gosh, I've never heard a married couple so authentically talk about their lives. And you guys are Christians? I've never heard of a Christian watching a secular TV show. What's going on with you guys? All this other stuff. And it's like, man, you guys are so amazing. Can I ask you this question? Can I ask you that question? You talked about living debt-free. What's that all about? And okay, so fast forward about seven or eight months into our podcasting journey, there's no, there's no way you could ever tell me that there was a greater opportunity for ministry than what we were doing through podcasting. Right. Just the amount of people that you were touching. You, you think about this. Why did I say that insurance became that greatest expression of my full-time ministry? Because I was reaching hundreds of people per year and having a massive, profound impact in their lives. And as a Nazarene pastor, a megachurch is 200 people, all right? Come on, seriously. And in, in the Nazarene church. Uh, so, you know, the thing is, is that so in the insurance, but now, and by the way, eight months into our journey, we've launched several other podcasts and we've now, we're reaching about 150,000 people a week with our voice. And this is your hobby, your side hobby, because you're selling just a insurance. hobby, mm -hmm. just a hobby. But man, I'm getting letters from people who said, because of you and your wife, we're now debt-free. Because of you and your wife, I have one man who said, because of the conversations I've heard and witnessed from you and your wife, I've made the decision to completely get my life back right with God. I had left my wife and kids three years ago to, to pursue a relationship with a, a woman that's 20 years younger than me. 
and I've realized how messed up. And I'm, I've since gone back to my wife and apologized. Things aren't completely the where they need to be, but I am reconciling this relationship and I'm a part of my kid's life because of you and Stephanie. That's powerful. I have three letters, handwritten letters of people, three handwritten letters from people that said, because of the content you and Stephanie create, I have made the decision not to kill myself. Wow. And I've met all three of them in person since. And I'm like, I began to ask myself this question only internally. What would life be like if I could do this for a living instead of selling insurance? And that freaked me out. What was I, what am I thinking? That, how selfish is that? How re- irresponsible is that? I mean, nobody does that. I, I mean, podcasting is brand new in 2006, 2007 still. You know, matter of fact, the biggest headlines of the day is podcasting is dead. It's totally, plat- it, it's totally <laughs> flatlined and blah, blah, blah. It's no longer growing. And that, I, I argued with all that stuff, but still, the thing is, is it wasn't podcasting. When I said, what, I wonder what life would be like if I could do this, it, was, it had nothing to do with making a career as the podcast answer man. It was like, I wonder what would be, life be, would be like if I could literally use my voice and speak words into people's lives that gave them hope, that would entertain them, educate them, encourage them, motivate them, inspire them, and, and, and literally convince them to make better decisions in their lives. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Now, at this time, were there people being paid to podcast or was it mostly just hobbyists? There were people dabbling into this whole monetization of podcasting and stuff like that. But one thing that I can tell you is there, that the number of people who were interested in creating a podcast but absolutely had no clue about anything related to technology, that was growing. And so people came to me and says, Cliff, can you teach me how to do all this content that you're creating? This is amazing. Your show sounds better than everyone else's. How do you do that? Blah, 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 blah. And people started paying me. And so I got to the place where I was making about three to $5,000 a month on the side, teaching people how to podcast. And after a while, I started to speak out loud to some of my audience. I wonder what life would be like. And then all of a sudden, these people called entrepreneurs started popping out of the woodwork. I'm like, who are you guys? And they said, Cliff, I've never had a day job in my life. I've never been an employee. Like, what? You didn't even realize that this was a thing. I know. And, and get this. <laughs> it, it, this I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit, but I'm just going to be authentic. My dad was an entrepreneur. Yeah, right. <laughs> it never occurred to me. <laughs> right. It never occurred to me that my dad was an entrepreneur. How crazy is that? Yeah. That's how, that's how wrapped up in the world of my mindset as an employee I was. I didn't even know the idea of owning your own business existed. And my dad is my employer who owns his own business. Who was offering it to you, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and I was the next in line to take it over. So anyway, the long story short, I, it got to the place where, quite frankly, I began to have so much impact and influence in people's lives through email exchanges, through the content I was creating. And I began to be very frustrated by the demands of my day job as an insurance agent. Uh, Can you send me over my proof of insurance cards? I know you gave them to me when I was in the office the other day. I left them at home or blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there spending like hours a day faxing proof of insurance cards to to people at the courthouse. And I'm like, man, 
I, there's so much more I could be doing with my life. Yeah. Meanwhile, your mind is over here about all of the stuff that is happening in your podcasting world. And it got really bad. So after about 18 months of podcasting as a hobby on the side, and I mean, like I'm totally eaten up with it. I mean, I can't think about anything else other than podcasting or not again, not podcasting, but the influence I'm having through what podcasting has brought into my life. I want to make sure to be clear about the distinction. But the reality is, is that it got to the place where, okay, I used to work 40 to 60 hours a week at the insurance office because I was a workaholic too. I loved to work and I loved to sell and I had lots of insurance policies to process. Well, all of a sudden my life insurance income has dropped down to nothing because I'm not not, working that much. (laughs) I'm not selling policies anymore. I'm trying to get the buy with the bare minimum. Got to the place where I never worked more than 40 hours a week anymore. And quite frankly, while I was physically at the day job 40 hours a week, I'm just going to be transparent and tell you it was, I was lucky if I ever did more than 12 hours a week worth of work. Right. You were distracted. I was always exchanging emails. I was outlining new podcast episodes. I was doing anything and everything other than insurance work. That's, that's it. That's the, that's the reality. And finally, one day I got so frustrated and, you know, it, I, it sounds to me like, you know, the Oswald family repair business has this amazing family culture and stuff like that. I love my mom and dad and boy, is our relationship so much better after I left the day job. But the reality is, is that in our family business, there was a lot of stress. And one day I, I came home and my wife said, that is enough. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, that's it. She says, we both, you already make this much money just doing this on the side. You've got all these entrepreneurial people who tell you all the different ways that you can do it. Our pastor has told you that you come alive and it's clear that you're meant to do this. We knew that you were called to full-time ministry and this is now the greatest expression of ministry in the world. We are doing this together and, and it's clear that you hate your day job. It's doing nothing. It's killing you inside. I want my husband back. The kids need their dad back. Tomorrow you're putting in your notice. And that was September of 2007. And I went in the, I went in the next day and I thought my dad, I'm like, first of all, as soon as we had that conversation, we recorded a podcast episode and told the world because then all of a sudden I had to follow through. (laughs) I had to follow through and I'm thinking, it's like, okay, but that's cool because I know that tomorrow my dad's going to give, he's going to sit me down and talk to me and he's going to reason out why this is the stupidest thing I could ever do with my life. And I'm going to be off the hook after I tell my dad and he talks me out of it. So I go into the office the next day and I said, dad, I got to talk to you. And he says, okay, sit down. I said, I, I want to leave the family business. I want to, I want to put him a 90 day notice and I want to go out and start my own business in podcasting. He goes, I have been waiting for months for you to come in and tell me this. What? That's crazy. He, he said, I've been waiting for months. He says, here's the deal. You know how much money you could make here. He goes, first and foremost, you can always come back here. Uh, because, but he says, here, here's what I want to tell you right now. You'll never come back. You'll never come back. And you know how much money you can make here. And while it may be impossible for you to believe it now, and I don't know how long it will take, but ultimately you'll make way more money doing what you love than you could have ever dreamed making here as an insurance, owning this insurance agency. Well, that was nice that he made that transition and he could see where obviously your talents lied. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, is he, you know, they, you remember when, you know, 12 years earlier, they invited me to come into the businesses because they wanted to provide a better life for me. You know, something that was more responsible and something that would 
be more dependable and stuff like that. And by this time, it be, I mean, I, hindsight's 2020. I can see from my dad's perspective now what he saw that I didn't see then. He's like, listen, man, you in this insurance, we're holding you back. That's the, I, I, and, and, and now I see it. I didn't see it then, but man, it, it was, and he, he saw it and he's like, dude, go with my full blessing. Right. The funny thing is, is in, so that was in September, put my 90 day notice in. I had two weeks before I'm on my own and I had never experienced panic attacks. I had never experienced depression and boy, was I having everything I never knew I could have. This right. was freaking me out. And, and I, I had this one friend, it's like, Cliff, you, just go to your dad and just tell him you want to work Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And that way you can work on your business Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. He's going to love it. He's going to, and I went in, I, t- I, I floated that by my dad. He says, absolutely not. You either give up You're podcast absolutely. or give up insurance. Well, that was probably the greatest thing he said to you. Yes, it was. It so was. So is that the, it, was it at that point or had you already adopted the podcast answer man? I had, already, I had already started the podcast Answer Man in December of 2006. This was nine months before I put in my notice. So, but the thing is, is it was always going to be a side gig. It was just going to be something I did for fun on the side. People were begging me to teach them how to podcast. I mean, yeah. it's like to tell them, no, I can't help you create a podcast so you can put your positive message in the world didn't seem right. So... And it was nice to have a little extra income, even though I didn't need it, but it was least income that I enjoyed versus, I, I, at this point, I lost passion for selling insurance. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I did that. So the thing is, it's January 1st, 2008. I'm full-time self-employed, have never owned a business before. I am great at sales, but I have a terrible time trying to invoice people because I had all sorts of terrible beliefs about what it meant to work hard and earn money and all sorts of other things. And I'll, I'll save everybody the long, boring story here, but there's a video you can go watch it over at mindsetanswerman.com slash free. The title of that page says, give me 60 minutes and I'll teach you how to live the life of your dreams. And so in that, I teach and tell the story of why I only made $11,000 net income the entire year of 2008. It almost physically killed me. In fact, I landed in the hospital uh, the in January 2009 and almost died. And I the thing is, though, it was the most financially miserable time of my life. Thankfully, Stephanie and I were debt free. The business was quote unquote profitable on paper because it paid for all the uh, health insurance for our family. It paid for the CPA. It paid for all the software and all the overhead. It just didn't pay. The, the only employee, aka Cliff Ravenscraft, did not get a paycheck for nine months. Right. And then only got net income after taxes, $11,000, the final three months. But you want to know something? It was the most fulfilling year of my life. Because you were doing what you were loving. Yes. I just didn't figure out how to make money at it yet. So the thing is, is of course, almost dying in the hospital woke me up to some things. And I really got involved in the personal and professional development side of things. The self-help movement, which I used to believe was a terrible thing that one should avoid. Because it's all worldly self, you know, actually, whatever. It's all woo-woo stuff. Yeah. But once I started, once I began to understand there are very generous, charitable Christians that are multi-multi-millionaires that literally got to where they are in life because of these Tony Robbins materials and Zig Ziglar materials and Napoleon Hill materials and all this other stuff. I'm like, I began to warm up to the idea, well, maybe I'll read them and see what they do. And they transform my life. 
after 10 years, I, I took podcasting and podcast answer man, the business to a half million dollar a year business pretty easily. And quite frankly, I trained over 40,000 people in the world how to podcast. So there yeah. are today there are 700,000 podcasts in existence. 40,000 of those people learned how to podcast directly from me. And then I think that there are several of those that have went on to train other people. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so the other of the other seven or of the other six hundred and sixty thousand podcasters, they all most all of them learned from somebody who learned from me. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite a legacy, Cliff. <laughs> it's not so bad. Yeah. Uh, and good. the funny it's it, it's pretty wild. But the crazy thing is, is in September or actually it was um it was yeah, September 2015, I began to ask myself a question again. I wonder what life would be like if I could do this instead of teaching people how to podcast. And the interesting thing is it's the same question I was asking in September 2005 or two, no, September 2006. See, the thing is, is that I wonder what life would be like if I could do this instead of selling insurance. The this instead of selling podcast or, selling, or teaching people how to podcast was the same. The this is I wonder how I could make a living and build wealth for my family and to do the things financially that I want and live the life I want to live doing this instead. And this has always been using my voice to communicate to people, whether it be one-on-one -on -one, through podcast content, through YouTube videos, conversations, teaching people from stages, workshops, mastermind groups. I wonder what life would be like if I could literally make my living doing this, talking to people, giving them hope, encouraging them to completely see themselves in a different way, changing their beliefs about who they are and what they're able to do in this world, helping them break free from every single limiting belief that's keeping them from living the life that God created them. To. I wonder what life would be like if I could make a living doing ministry full time. But I would think during, you know, with your podcasting, you were definitely a mentor. You had people in an environment where I'm sure some of that happened. So could you not see that you could actually accomplish that goal being the podcast answer man? And that's how I w came to feel that it was possible for me to do this because I, to give you an example, I had this podcasting A to Z course. People paid $2,000 to have me as their coach for four weeks. And the promise was that in exchange for your $2,000, within four weeks, you'll have a podcast launch. Well, the reality is I could help anybody launch a podcast in four hours. So uh, the, the four weeks was just for me to have the opportunity to speak into their life because I wanted to do ministry, right? So yes, I was doing that. The problem though, is it got to the place where I was making so much money, half million dollars a year teaching people how to podcast. And the reality is, is that when you teach 40,000 people in the world how to podcast and you've got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people buying your digital tutorials, and if they have one quick question after buying a two or $300 tutorial from you, if they have one quick question, who do you think they email? Oh, you. Yeah. Absolutely. I literally was getting about 100 to 300 emails every single day saying, Cliff, can you answer this quick question for me? Wow. And I had, it got to the place where I never had time to answer my, or to create my own content. I didn't have time to-, to It just to, took over your life. It just took over my life, just like insurance was taking over my life and keeping me from doing that most important work. And I'm like, man, I, I got to find a way to do. And so in September, two years later, I read this book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And I discovered selling insurance was my zone of excellence. 
communicating and encouraging people was my zone of genius. Well, the thing is, is I never thought I could make money from my zone of genius. So I just traded one zone of excellence for another zone of excellence. I have lots of zones of excellence. And teaching people how to podcast is a zone of excellence of mine as well. And, and the thing is, is that it got to the place where doing all of that work, extremely profitable, but killing me inside, literally dead inside. And I'm like, I just, I just want to, when I discovered what my zone of genius was, I'm like, I, I, and I, I had people sign up for podcasting A to Z a second time. And I'm like, wait a second, Rick Lindberg from Stockholm, Sweden. He, I've seen that already, name before. <laughs> yeah. He's already been in podcasting A to Z. And, and his podcast is already launched. And I'm like, Rick, did, did this hack, do I need to refund you? He goes, no, Cliff, I want another four weeks with you. I love talking to you. I, I get so much value out of our exchanges and I just want to ask you more questions. Wow. And, and I started, to, and by the way, he signed up four times. Um, and then I had other people sign up second and third times. And I realized these people who were coming to me not for podcasting, Oh, I'm, it, it's filling my soul. And I'm, and, and by the way, I'm seeing radical. I literally had people sign up for podcasting A to Z because they wanted to be able to build a profitable business. I literally talked one person out of creating a podcast and I helped them triple their income within four weeks. Wow. All right. I talked them out of doing what they paid me $2,000 for. And by the end of our four weeks of coaching, they had tripled their income. And I'm like, okay. This is my zone of genius. And when I read that book, I made a commitment to myself. I want to find a way. I am committed to finding a way to living a minimum of 80% of my work life spent inside of my zone of genius. And so I, I started to tell the world about this. And I said, guys, you want to sign up for podcasting A to Z within the next year because I'm pretty sure that 2018 is going to be the last year I ever offer podcasting A to Z. That was, after, that was one like, day after I read that book. About a week after I read that book, guys, you'll probably want to take uh, podcasting A to Z before the first end of the first quarter of 2018 because I don't think I'm ever going to. And then it was about two weeks later. Guys, October is the last chance for you to take podcasting A to Z because this is the last one. I'm never doing this again. And yeah, then, it, it's funny that you say that because obviously in 2018, I was looking to start this podcast and that's how I found you because I, you know, you were out there, but you weren't offering it anymore. And I must've gotten you, I must've done this right after you finished with all of your training. Yep. So yep. one of your protégés got to teach me. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, is I actually had this one guy that I taught how to podcast and he's really one of the most proficient people in the technical areas. Matter of fact, admittedly, he's better at some of it than I am. Actually, he's better at most of it than I am because I had lost interest two years earlier. Yeah. Right? So I'm not even keeping up with the latest and greatest. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Here, learn my method. That's what I was teaching, right? Right, right. And it worked. But, but he's keeping up with the latest and greatest. So he knows more than I do. The only thing is, is this guy really is struggling with his mindset about pricing. So he's charging like 75 bucks an hour, right? And so I sit there, I said, listen, I'm shutting everything down. I got a question for you. What do you think about, I asked him how much his rates were. I said, what do you think about if I refer somebody to you, you charge them $150 per hour and you give me 50% commission? Because he'd make the same thing and I'll book him solid. I said, how many hours a week are you? Because I'm lucky to get about three or four hours a week of consulting. So what if I book you full 
would you be willing to do it at the rate that you're doing? The only thing is though, if you agree to this, think about this seriously because to do this, I would not allow this relationship to happen unless you charge all of your clients $150 an hour because nobody can ever catch wind that you're, that if they came to me through me and they pay you a hundred, it's going to be more that can't happen. So that means you have to commit to charging everyone who works with you. You have to double your rate. And he says, I'm up for that. And so get this. And by, I said, how much do you charge for people if they, if they launch a podcast? And I think it's like $800. I said, well, I charge 2000. All right. So if I, if somebody comes to you, you have to charge 2000, but I get 50% of it. The only thing is though, is if anybody comes to you, you have to charge 2000. And right. again, I got him to more than double his rate. Yeah. I just referred him left and right and I'm making all this money and I don't have to do anything. And he's also making money that he wasn't oh, making. He, he was making tons of money that he wasn't making. And eventually he started getting referrals where he didn't have time for the people I was referring to him. And he's making all of that money from his own clients. Yeah. And I loved great. it. Yeah. And it's, but, but it was really great because it helped me in the transition because mm -hmm. I, I literally killed 100% of everything related to podcasting so that I could really dive deep into the Mindset Answer Man side of my business. Okay. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Mindset Answer Man. Because yeah. now that's what you're focused on is helping people be their very best selves. And what I realized, Renee, is that I had been Mindset Answer Man going all the way back to 1996 when I was married to my wife. And just about a month afterwards, I, made a I had a desire and a calling that I wanted to help people change their beliefs about who they were and what God has called them to do and that they can pursue a life that's of their dreams, that they were created to live. I've always been the Mindset Answer Man since 1996, and I didn't truly give myself I did not truly have clarity that that's who I was, that that was my identity. God's always caused me to be the mindset answer man. Right. And not only that, but um, I fully embraced it. In fact, there is a quote from Michael Hyatt that he, he was interviewed a long time ago. And man, this quote had stuck out to me so much. And I'm going to pull it up here on my phone. And I'm going to go to Dropbox. And this will, I mean, by the way, Michael Hyatt, you know who Michael Hyatt is, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he spoke so many powerful things into my life. But man, he, he was interviewed on a, let's see here, what frequent access. He was interviewed on a podcast called uh, Beyond to the To-Do List by my friend, Eric Fisher. And... In this clip, he was asked, do you have any podcasts? Now, Michael Hyatt's one of the most intentional people about his time. This guy used to listen to my voice for one hour every single week, never missing a week. And he is the most intentional person about what he focuses on. So here is what he said when asked about what his favorite podcasts were. So I'm going to hit play and it might take one second here. It comes. I think. Hit play again. What are some of the go-to podcasts that you can suggest for listeners out there? Well, let me just look at my list here. I'm going to pull up. I use Downcast as the app on my iPhone. Um, I can tell you that I listen to Cliff's every week. And I've told Cliff this on, on the phone before, but the reason I like his is not as much for the podcast information, which is terrific, but I just find him so inspirational. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're, you're referring to Podcast Answer Man, right? Podcast Answer Man. Okay. Uh, I just, I love that. 
Michael Hyatt had no need for any technical advice beyond what, I mean, I had already taught him how to podcast. And, and he, he kept listening. And he kept listening to me every single week. I literally had the, I, I was speaking hope, encouragement, and inspiration into the life of a man who influences hundreds of thousands of people in the world. And I am influencing him every single week. Yeah, Not because of my technology, but because of how I think and how I communicate. Yeah, and I would imagine as we look around or think about ourselves, there are probably talents like that that we're sharing all the time that we don't recognize. And so was it the feedback from the people that you had around you that finally helped you see that you all along were this mindset answer man? What was it that made you have oh, it, that vision? There, I, could, I could literally pull out probably a thousand or more emails I could pull out 150 handwritten letters and I could pull out at least 20 or 30 other audio recordings that will echo and say the exact same thing. It literally took years and years of me hearing it over and over again and it didn't click for me until I read the big leap. I read the big leap and then it clicked. And then and it I'm was like, like I, life would never be the same after I read the yeah. big leap. You're, li you're living this parallel thing and really the, your zone of genius was right there all the time. I thought for sure the reason why people were paying me money was because I was giving them a tangible thing that they knew they could see at the end. Yeah. I was convinced in my own mind, nobody's going to pay me $25,000 to be in my mastermind group so that every week I could speak hope, encouragement, and help them see things from a different perspective. Yeah. And, and that's where you I are make, now. Yeah. And today I make my living doing exactly that. Yeah. So now, uh, what does the future hold for the Mindset Answer Man? What is the vision for what you're doing? I, it, it's changed drastically since I've become the Mindset Answer Man. So uh, what I can tell you right now, my vision is this. I am pouring myself into 36 people per year. I'm pouring everything I have into 36 people. That's three groups of 12 people. And they pay me a significant amount of money. But the thing is, is for that significant amount of money, they get all of me. I mean, I literally, I mean, all of my, you know, reasonable work hours, I just, I'm going to, I'm not holding anything back from these people. And they're all super respectful of my time. So I have lots of margin and stuff like that. But I'm, that's where I'm at. I'm investing in the lives of a very small group of people and I'm going deep. And I'm going so deep to make sure that they are everything that they were created to be in life so that they could actually pour and invest into the lives of other people. And I realize that the ripple effect of that will have more impact than if I was to actually grow my Free the Dream conference into stadiums of 60,000 people, a quote unquote internet marketing sales funnel way. So you feel this personal responsibility to their success? Yeah. I, will, I don't necessarily know that I feel a personal responsibility to their success. I think everybody is responsible for their own success. What I feel, though, is that I have been given a gift by God that within a single 90-minute conversation, I can always create an experience where that person's life will never be, of the never be the same. And after that 90 minute conversation, 
they will never forget that call that we just had for the rest of their life. And the person will have come in with one, like as one person and they will leave a completely different person. I have that gift and that ability to do that. So you are also offering that in um, outside of your mastermind groups in your free the dream conference. Yes. Yeah. I'm offering it in a lot of different ways. I offer it one-on-one with a lot of people through various different um, mediums, through social media, Voxer, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I I offer it through one-on-one coaching experiences with me. I offer it through live workshops, small groups here in my home. We build a studio, a a training space in our home. And I do it through this conference called Free the Dream Conference. I'll do it any way that that is open to me. The only thing is, is I, for the, the reason things have changed, and I know not everybody knows who I am, and this is the first time they're hearing me, a lot of them. The thing is, is, I spent the last 18 months of my life focused on trying to build my own conference and building it to a massive success that reaches lots and lots of people. And last year I had 87 people. So far this year we have 105 people. And, and, and it was transformative to the people who came last year. It will be transformative to the people who come this year. But man, I learned a couple of things. My pursuit of all the time, effort, and energy that I put into trying to aggressively grow this conference so that it reach, reaches masses was the wrong focus because all of that time, effort, and energy trying to do something that quite frankly would just naturally occur if I just let it naturally occur, all of that time spent over there cost my family dearly. There's a scripture. I hope you don't mind, your audience don't mind that I'm a faith-based person. And it, and, and, and First Timothy hit me smack head in the face, or smack in the face with a two by four the other day. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially their own household has denied the faith and is worse than a non-believer. And I realized that my pursuit of trying to grow this thing the way that I was trying to grow it and to reach the tens of thousands of people in stadiums, it literally caused me to take all of my focus on the things, marketing the things that would generate the significant amount of recurring revenue for my family. And as a result of that, I put our, we, we literally lost $38,000 last year. Now we still had a $250,000 year. So please don't cry for me, Argentina. But, uh, <laughs> but let me tell you something, I, th- that hurt. And it, and it hurt our family. And, and it also caused a couple very difficult things. For example, there were times uh, where my, I would get a FaceTime call from my, my oldest daughter. And instead of being excited but that, that I get an opportunity to talk to my daughter who's at college, my first thought, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you, was, oh, crap, how much is this call going to cost? <laughs> and, I, and, and that is not the father I was created to be. But I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? Yeah. And, and the thing is, though, is that I had every opportunity to invest in my mastermind members and, and to have full faith that that's where I have the greatest amount of impact and influence. It was the most profitable thing for me to do financially for myself and for my family. And it has the greatest amount of ripple effect and influence because the more time I spend with people, the more I invest with each individual, the more impact and influence, the further they're going to get faster into living their life to be free to do what they want to do. Yeah, it's great that people come to free the dream, but how much can I really do in two and a half days? And it does have an impact. And there'll be people who, if they only come to free the dream, their lives will be changed. They'll think things differently. And they, instead of taking 10 to 15 years to achieve their dreams because of free the dream, they might actually achieve them within the next one to 10 years. All right. 
But man, what if I take somebody who signs up for the Next Level Mastermind and I invest in their lives every single week and what would have taken them 15 years, I can help them accomplish that in 90 days. Right. Well, what I appreciate about that is that um, even though you have had this journey, you understand um, your own mindset just, you know, very recently you've had this change. So it teaches me that even when you think you have it all figured out, <laughs> you might have to do a little more introspection and, and, and we can always grow. Absolutely. And, and I will tell you right now, by no means do I think I have it all figured out. Um, but I've, I've certainly figured out some things that I didn't have figured out before. Yeah. And it, it's, it's transformed me and my life and my heart and, my, and the amount of peace that I feel. And, and I, you, haven't, you haven't heard this, Renee. But uh, you've heard, you've probably heard me talking about this book, the the yeah, Prosperous Coach. I actually read that. All right. Well, mm-hmm. the the co-author Rich Lidfin sent out an email the other day, and that email says, "Hey, here are some different things." And I had already applied for this program called the Top Four Percent, which is the top four percent of all. Co- and I knew it would be expensive. I didn't know how much, but I'm thinking maybe twenty thousand dollars, twenty five thousand dollars to join this program. So I had already applied for it. But his email had something in here. It says, "Hey, there is one opportunity." Uh, it's, it's, I'm taking on one person to be a protege. And basically, I will personally mentor and do all of this. You'll have access to all my programs. You can come to all my events. I'll give you the behind the scenes. I will work with you personally on anything and everything going on. It's $100,000 and a two-year commitment. Wow. And I, I know for a fact, I was up early that morning. I know for a fact I was the first person to apply and I came down to my office and I recorded him a personal video. I said, I cannot afford $100,000, but I will be able to by the time you approve me. And oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. So were you approved? Oh, I, I have a call scheduled 12.30 p.m. Eastern time, Tuesday, September 3rd. All right. Well, stay tuned. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if anybody listens to your show, you will tell us. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it, yeah. It, you can be sure of that. Well, Cliff, it's awesome. I appreciate you so much. I, um, you know, I have definitely learned. We've had a relationship for probably about eight months now, maybe, I think. And I sure have learned so much from you. Had a privilege to be a part of that mastermind. And I'm going to free the dream. So it'll be good to be able to uh, catch up with you again. But is there anything else that we haven't had a chance for you to tell the listeners of East Idaho? Any nuggets of wisdom for people who are looking about doing their own business? Yeah, I will tell you this. Anything that you try to do in life, I will tell you that you're going to be tempted to go and try to find the latest fad, the latest technique, the latest marketing sales funnel, all of the techniques and tools and skills and strategies. And you're going to to be tempted to spend a lot of time learning all of those techniques side side of things. And they're very important. Many of them are essential for your success. But one thing that I learned, and I attribute this to Tony Robbins, as I attribute so many things to him, but I've learned that success in any and also every area of life is 20% skill and it's 80% mindset. The thing is, is most of you who are hearing my voice, you already know way more about what you need to do to start experiencing more success in your business efforts that you're not doing. And what you don't realize is why it is that you refuse to do the things that you refuse to do, all right? And to put an end to the things that you know you need to put an end to. 
And until you get that, until you change, until you understand it's what you believe that actually causes you to take all the actions or refuse to take actions in your life, until you understand that it's all about what you're thinking in your mind, you'll never be able to get new results in your life. So I encourage you to go to mindsetanswerman.com slash free. And it does say at the top of the page, give me 60 minutes and I will teach you how to live the life of your dreams. It's a bold statement, but one thing I'm known for is not lying. And I have a policy of under-promising and over-delivering. And so I encourage you to go to mindsetanswerman.com slash free. Give me one hour of your life. Watch that video and see if your life will never be the same. Thank you. We will definitely put that link also in, um, on the website so that people can get to that. Cliff, I am sending you so much gratitude for being on the show today. It's just a privilege to be able to talk to you. You're absolutely inspirational with your example of taking chances, making mistakes, and learning and improving from all the experiences that you've had. Um, one thing I do know about you too is you're transparent in your journey, and we can learn so much from you and your experience. And so... I'm definitely looking, uh, learning, looking forward to learning more at Free the Dream so I can also share it and um, help change my own mindset as I'm going forward. So thank you so much for your passion and for your time today. Thank you so much. This truly was an honor. And I am so thrilled that I can now say that I've been featured as an entrepreneur on the East Idaho Entrepreneur's <laughs> Right? I want to see that on your website that in big, bold. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, it will be all over my Facebook page. I <laughs> promise you that. Thank you so much. As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair, located in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. If you're looking for honesty and integrity in automotive repair, along with top-notch customer service, there's only one place to go. Come see us and let our family take care of your family. And there's not going to be a business leadership moment with this episode because Cliff has given us so much wisdom. I'm just going to leave it at that. So have a great week and I'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair for all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho. Let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.